meant to allocate the flower and, and give some importance to the attribute. How beautiful, how many petals are there, what a beautiful arrangement. That is fine. But then, if I think that this flower is more beautiful than something else, if this is, what is that, what is my attribute? I see something special there and some lag somewhere else. Or the differences existing between different names and forms are interpreted by me as something being very special and something lacking in speciality. Thus my mind in some way judges what I can come across as something special and therefore attractive, fascinating or something lacking, something subject to aversion, something which is, uh, uh, which is defective. Moment my mind judges anything, it is going to react. The reaction is instantaneous depending upon how my judges what it comes across. And it is the nature of mind to judge anything and everything that it confronts, it comes across. It is the nature of intellect, that is called intellect, which is a judging faculty, whose nature it is to judge and brand and then respond. And therefore, moment my intellect judges and brands anything as desirable, undesirable, good, bad, right, wrong, <coughs> sinner, saint, friend, foe, anything, Whenever my mind judges friend, my reaction is of one kind. When it's a foe, my reaction is of a different kind. A saint reaction is one kind. A sinner reaction is different kind. A terrorist yet another kind. So when my mind judges the self in this manner, when I'm looking at the stage and I see a beggar or I see a king, even my mind I recognize that beggar also belongs to the role and the king also belongs to the role, the costume and therefore even though I perceive them I do not judge the person that way knowing that this is just a show or this is just a, a role if that clarity is there then king and beggar both of them are equally taken by me equally respected, equally enjoyed, whatever you say. Then that character does not have to be king and royally dressed in order for me to enjoy. That not that because he comes as a beggar that I cannot enjoy, as long as I recognize that he's my same favorite actor. So when I have the knowledge of what is samam, samyam, what equally obtains in all these various costumes, if I have the knowledge, if the viveka, what we call the viveka or the discrimination or separation takes place in my mind between what is real and what is unreal. What is real is the actor, what unreal is the beggar or the king or whatever and that they all belong to costume, the superimpositions. Whereas substratum ever remains the change, same, Meaning that the person does not become a beggar by putting on a costume of beggar and vice versa. When I am very clear about this, then my mind, even though appreciating the differences, still responds equally. Because I appreciate samyam, that which obtains equally in both of them. 
in what is outwardly totally opposed to each other, but then which however, as far as the substratum is concerned, as far as the as far as the truth is concerned, it is the same. And so this is possible when my mind does not react either to the beggar or to the king in one way or the other. Because my mind instantly separates the beggar and king from the one putting on those costumes. And in and through the beggar or king also my mind does not fail to appreciate the actor. Because however the beggar is dressed and how the king is dressed, some very essential features of the actor cannot be hidden. They cannot, cannot hide the eyes regardless of how they dress. Certain things cannot be hidden. And if I am not therefore, if I am not deluded by the dress, not overwhelmed by the dress, and I am able to spot those invariable features, and thus I can recognize, then I am free from delusion, free from reaction. I enjoy a mind that is truly non-reacting, not because the mind does not understand, not because the mind is not sensitive, but because the mind understands what is real as real and what is unreal as unreal. And so, so you appreciate every name and form. The truth is asti bhati priyam. Satchit ananda, that is the truth. That is the substratum. That is the thread upon which all the names and forms are strung. As Lord Krishna says, May Saravidam Protam Sutre Mani All of this is made strung in me like the pearls are strung on the thread, and so also all the various names and forms are strung in me, who is Satchit Ananda. That this person, the actor, is a multimillionaire, is not denied just because he puts on the costume of a beggar. That by putting a costume of beggar, he is no less than what he was before. Nor by putting on the costume of king, he becomes greater than what it was. Meaning costume does not either add or subtract anything from what the person is. And so also when I recognize that whatever the costume is, whatever the name and form is, whether it is suhrut, meaning well-wisher, mitra, a friend, ari, an enemy, udas, an indifferent, Madhyasta and arbitrator, arbiter, well-wisher of both, whoever it is. Sadhu Svabhijapapeshu, whether he is a saint or a sinner. While appreciating this outward, outward characteristics, my mind does not fail to appreciate the fact that in spite of all these outward differences, differences that inherently the self or the essence is same, asti bhati priyam, satchit ananda is unaffected. And that is a sinner does not make the atma of satchit ananda anywhere less than what it is, or a saint does not make it more glorious than what it is, that it always abides in its own glory regardless of what the names and forms or costumes are, when this is clear to me. And that becomes clear to me when I am clear to myself that what I am is Satchidananda. That this name and form, this body-mind complex, whatever it is, does not in any way affect the self. 
it does not add anything, nor does it subtract anything. Simply, and when this does not do, then what to talk of the circumstances or situation around me doesn't do anything. That I still remain a complete being, limitless one, abiding in my own glory. If that is clear about me, it is clear about everybody and everything. Not everybody, everything. Samyena Matsudana. Lord Krishna, I can recognize this vision, but I can see what kind of a mind that must be. That is totally non-reacting. In the wake of knowledge. So first level of non-reaction is by what we call yoga, meaning by, by adopting proper attitudes and values. And the final level of the samyam or non-reaction is on account of knowledge. Even knowledge keeps on arising through karma yoga. Don't think that karma yoga is his all means of knowledge. Therefore, even there also knowledge keeps on arising. My perception and my insights keep on coming. And thus, the importance that normally I give to the differences, on account of not knowing that all the differences really are sustained by that which is not different, when in, in, because of ignorance of that fact, the differences are important to me, and that's the reason why my mind reacts. More importance I give to differences and division, more reacting I will be. I recognize when you are identified with anything, moment there is an ego meaning some identification with something, you are going to react. When I identify with Hindu, I react to anything else. When I read the history books, I am an Indian. I read the history books and I see how the Indians have been tortured, how they have been, you know, crushed, mutilated, what all people, have, the aggressors have done, invaders have done to them, my blood starts boiling. How many thousands of temples were destroyed and mosques were, I see any mosque and something happens to me. <coughs> when all these uh, things are, you know, the prayer, morning prayers are relayed through all the loudspeakers and comes to my ear, I can't stand it. Because and I had a strong identification that I am a Hindu or I am an Indian. What have the British done to India? What have they done to their psychology? What have, when I see all of this, there's a hatred towards all these people who have done this to us because I am an Indian. Moment you identify with anything, whatever kind of ego is there, that ego is going to bring about hatred and attraction. Smaller the ego, greater the hatred. Larger the ego, less the hatred. No doubt about that. But wherever ego is there, some hatred is going to be there and some attraction is going to be there. And therefore, what a mind this must be where there is no sense of ego at all. When there is no identification with anything. Meaning, that which accommodates everything. Tasyaham so therefore Lord Krishna, etasyaham na pasyami chanchalatvat stridim siram. Lord, this is impossible. I don't see how it is ever possible when I look at my mind, chanchalatvat, I see my mind. When we say it is restless, means it's reacting mind. I find my mind reacting mind. I just cannot stand anything that doesn't suit me. And I seem to find myself embracing something that favors me, that kind of mind. So how do I ever 
gain this vision or how do I ever abide in this vision? Chanchalam Himanah Krishna Pramati Balabhadradham Oh Lord, whenever a reaction takes over me, Pramati Balabhadradham, it is turbulent. My mind just becomes turbulent. It just becomes totally disturbed whenever any reaction takes over me. Whenever, as I said, the resentment comes and anger comes to me, then I, it is, I am in no more control of my mind. It takes over my mind and completely uh, disturbs my personality. Balavat is so strong, that reaction. Dhridham, it is so obstinate that I can't get rid of it. So this is how the mind is. Meaning that mind is subject to strong reactions. Reactions can be so strong that I am no more there. I as a person, who is otherwise a very learned person, very cultured person, my language of one kind, when I am in good mood and good, am I in right mind, then I am a different, I am one person. You can see how great people also, or you know, people in great or important positions, when they get angry, what kind of language they speak, you know? This time it was caught on the microphone, you know, what the President of the United States said, some few words that he uttered, were caught on the microphone, was heard by everybody. Those words, you know, filthy words. Because of anger, frustration. Because we cannot win this war, we cannot get our way through. And so, you wonder, what is, where is all the education, where is all the discipline, where is all this, but it's not there. When the demon takes over me, it looks like, or Saturn, whatever you call it, at that time, I am totally controlled. Pramasi balavat dudham tasyaham nigraham manye vayahoyeva sudushkaram My final Lord, to control this mind, bring it under my control, to master it, seems to be more difficult than even mastering or controlling the wind. So, where is the Samya Darshanam and where is the state of my mind, O Lord? Where is, you know, uh, there, there is no comparison. The, the Darshanam, the vision they represent is so noble. There cannot be anything more noble than this. Where a person sees the same divinity everywhere regardless of what the outer costume is, it is immaterial. What a noble vision. It is nowhere in the world, except in Vedanta. <clears throat> and even if a few people had this vision, I guess it would change the whole world. But where is the mind of the human being? It is so shallow, so immature, O oh Lord. How can I ever even, you know, how can I ever uh, receive this vision? In case, I, in case I receive it, how can I hold on to it? How can I abide in this vision? They say that you require a golden vessel to contain the milk of a female ch- lion. You know? So lioness milk, if you, if, you, uh, if you receive it in some ordinary uh, vessel, it will just, just break through, pierce through. You require a golden vessel, that's what they say. 
This vision requires golden vessel. The mind has to be a golden vessel. How do you do that? <coughs> but you said, we have no choice but to do that. So, Nishena Yoktavya Yoga Anirvinda Shedasa. Arjuna, do not get disappointed. Do not get discouraged. Tam Vidya Dukkha Sanyoga Vyogam Yoga Sanyatam. The yoga that we are talking about really is yoga, it's disassociation with pain. In Rajuna, that's what you are striving all the time anyway. All the time you are striving to become free from pain and sorrow, and this is what we are teaching you. And this is the only way to become free from sorrow. There is no other way. Had there been another way, it's fine, but there is no other way of becoming free from sorrow than this, than gaining this knowledge, rather than Recognizing one's true nature, there is no other way of becoming free from sorrow. Others are all uh, not even symptomatic treatment, it's just only psycho, I mean, you know, just to make me feel good. I, I, it's just to make believe stuff, that's all it is. Anything else that makes me feel good is all make believe stuff. Really, what can help me to become to free from sorrow and to gain happiness is only one, this one. Therefore, you have to practice this yoga with determination, with conviction. And then when without being disappointed, without being discouraged. So Lord Krishna says, Asamshayam Mahabaho Mano Durnigraham Chalam. He Mahabahu, O mighty young one, Asamshayam, there's no doubt in what you said. That Manah Chanchalam, that mind is restless, no doubt about that. It is unsteady, yes. It is turbulent, yes. It is strong, yes. It is obstinate, yes. Assumption, there is no doubt. Lord Krishna says, I know because I have created the mind, so he knows. <clears throat> and still, it is possible to bring minds such as that under control, under mastery. Upayana Nigrinyat says uh, Gaudavadacharya. It is by Upaya, by method, one should apply a proper method. <coughs> so, the first line, in first line, Lord Krishna says, Asamsham Mahabaho Manodur Nigraham Chalam, that the mind is indeed difficult to control because it is restless, because it is whatever, means that it is not, that do not attempt to control your mind by, by suppression or by force. Do not use force over your mind to control it or to master it. That is what is meant by Lord Krishna in the first line. When Lord Krishna says, yes, you are right, that mind is like that, means that mind cannot be, should not be and cannot be controlled by force. <clears throat> the second line says, definitely by abhyasa, by practice, vairagya, by dispassion, it is possible to bring this mind slowly under your control. Meaning gain a mastery of the mind. Vedantins don't like to use word control. Control involves some kind of a, a suppression or some kind of force. So Vedantins don't like this word control. They like the word mastery. 
So Lord Krishna says, Atmaiva Hyatmanobandhu, Atmaiva Ripu Atmanaha. Your mind can be your friend, your mind can be your enemy, and therefore don't control the mind, make the mind your friend. This servant always requires instruction. A friend does not require instruction. If your mind is servant, you will always keep on instructing that. If your mind is friend, it will do what is necessary to do without your telling. So, upaya in the grunyat, you must have upaya, the method. What's the method? Lord Krishna says, abhyasa in the kaunteya vairagina chagrahyate. Abhyasa means repeated practice. Vairagya means freedom from raga and dvesha. So vairagya word can be translated as dispassion or detachment, which our Swamiji likes to translate as objectivity. Be objective. Make the mind objective. A reacting mind is not an objective mind, it is a projecting mind. We not react with anger or anything. Then, I am not seeing the thing as it is, I am seeing it my own way, meaning that the mind generally sees things through its glasses of likes and dislikes, and therefore hardly see the things as they are, only sees them as projected by itself. Like a person wearing yellow glasses finds everything yellow, and similarly also the person having these likes and dislikes, and particularly strong likes and dislikes, seems to always see the world in his own personal way. He doesn't see the world as it is. He sees it. This is about subjective perception, not an objective perception. So there is no doubt an objective world in front of us. And not only world, there is an objective I before me, understand? Not only world, but I should be objective with reference to myself also. Because there is subjectivity with myself, therefore there is subjectivity with the world. Because there is projection involved about my own self, therefore there is projection involved about the world. Because I am not objective about myself. I equate myself with this body which is not I. I equate myself with the mind which is not I. And therefore I identify with my costumes or with my role. Like an actor with a multimillionaire identifying with a role and thinking that he's a beggar and acting like a beggar, feeling like a beggar. And so also the self, in fact, feels like this beggar, feels inadequate only on account of identifying with this body-mind complex, which is a costume. Therefore, become object with reference to you. Remind yourself. That is why for their objectivity we require constant exposure to the teaching of Vedanta. It is good that it is once one week a year, it's okay. Or in Gurukulam, two days a month, you know. What can you do in two days a month? Nothing. Which is better than nothing anyway. Even that also people don't have time. Swami is so many things you have to do. I have to do this and man, my child has to do this, my wife needs I appreciate all of that. Of course it's so. So difficult to find even two days, you know. I mean, not two full days, two half days in a month. <clears throat> but in fact, Vedanta says, Pawn of Punyana, Shravan Kuryat, 
May you listen to this again and again, meaning may you expose yourself to this teaching again and again. And don't think that this is a choice, this is an option. Poor thing always gets the last priority. When everything is okay, when there is no guest, and when everything is, oh, my child is okay, and is okay. Sometimes the child doesn't want to come, sometimes the wife doesn't want to come, sometimes this one doesn't want to come, sometimes the friend lands at your place, whatever. When everything is okay, then this thing gets a chance. That means that when everything is okay, I get a chance. The thing is that when you expose yourself, then it is you who are giving chance to yourself. The only way to be object about myself is to listen to Vedanta. But Swami, you listen, what new are you telling us? Doesn't matter. It is still necessary to listen again and again and again. Remember when you were small and going out, how many times mother would tell you? First time I was sent to, in train, you know, from Ahmedabad to Bombay. How many instructions? Since three, four, fifteen days ago, before it started, and then it went on and went on, and you know, how many times they remind? And then before leaving home, while leaving home, right up to the station, and when you are in the train, all along. And then when you are there, also they keep writing letters every day, reminding you. Certain this called patyam, that is hitakaram, that is that that is actually good for you. Must be reminded again and again. Because our orientation of duality, our orientation of taking ourselves to be limited being, is so well rooted. Ashvatthamenam suvirudhamulam. Taking myself to be limited being or ego is called the tree of samsara. What else is it? Suvirudhamulam. Its roots are so deeply rooted. That asanga shastra and drahena shitva, you require this shastra, you require a weapon of asanga, vipai require the weapon of, of dispassion, or asangoham, atma, that is asanga, that knowledge you require again and again. Therefore, one is a constant exposure to this teaching, and of course it's difficult to come to Gurukulam every day and every so often, but then in one way or the other through the books, through tapes, through videos, whatever. I think every day there must be some time set aside for listening to Vedanta. <clears throat> it is recharging the battery. It is, it's a reminder. So, this is Upayas, they say. Adhyatma vidyadhigamaha sadhu sangam evacha vasanasam parityagaha Pranaspanda nirodhanam etastaha yuktayaha pushtaha santi chitta jayakila. Sage Vasishtha says to his disciple Raul Rama, He Raghava, there are upayaha, there are methods which are there prescribed for mastering the mind. Don't do it forcefully. Understand the mind and do it delicately and use these methods. Adhyatma Vidya Adhigamaha. First is exposure to Adhyatma Vidya, the self-knowledge, meaning teaching of Vedanta, which teaches us viveka or discrimination between the self and the non-self. This is the first method of discrimination between the self and the non-self. That you are drashta, you are not drushya. 
You are drishta, you are witness. Understand that even the thoughts of a mind also are witnessed by you. They are also object of your knowledge and you are the knower of those things and therefore create a distance. So Vedanta teaches us how to create distance. Distance, not physically. Swami, I saw my, myself, you know, from there, I saw my body. Not that kind of distance. <laughs> not physical distance. Distance by knowledge. Like the actor has a distance from that beggar, not that the actor is physically away from the beggar. Because where the beggar is, there the actor is. And the hand of the beggar that begs is the hand of the actor. There is no physical distance between them. And still there is a distance. And that is the distance of knowledge. And so, creating a distance by knowledge, which Vedanta provides us, that I am the drishta, I am the seer, I am aware, I am witness. The body, the mind, intellect, whatever it is, all is object of my awareness. All limitations belong there. All varieties belong there. All differences belong there. I, who is a witness, is in fact the same. The witness that I am is witness that anybody else, that there is no difference whatever. What is witness, namely the personality is all different. But then the person is the same and I am person. <coughs> so Adhyatma Vidya Adhigamaha. Adhyatma Vidya means self-knowledge. And therefore, exposing oneself, this self-knowledge is the first upaya. Being objective with reference to one's own self. This is called vairagya. If vairagya is translated as objectivity, then first objectivity is with reference to my own self. If this is difficult for us to do, sadhu sangama evacha, Swami, I find it difficult to do it myself. Sadhu Sangamayavasa, then seek the company of the wise people, seek the company of learned people, seek the company of good people, and keep learning from them. Even that is, some people won't do that. So who is, who, who, who is he to teach me? Okay. I know. Vasana Samparityaga, third method. Vasana Samparityaga, giving up the Vasanas. What is Vasana? Vasana are the established habitual patterns. What they call hard wiring, you know, in our mind. There is hard wiring. There is an established pattern of just thinking, patterns of judging, patterns of reacting. That's called Vasana which we have brought with us. That is called vasana, where a reaction arises without any, uh, any predetermination. All of a sudden become angry, without thinking. That, that, that means there is some vasana in there. So vasana, there are subtle states of, of these kind of reactions, or the patterns, that are there. Vasana samparityagaha, observe your mind and see what established, what habitual patterns are there. Let us understand the mind, how I am a habitual person, how habitual I react, how I just jump to conclusions, how I judge things without even thinking. When I was small, 
when the food is served, the first thing I will do is take the salt, keep on sprinkling. Hey, come on, fellow, you taste it first. No, no, I take it for granted. There's not enough salt. First, taste it. They would urge me, you know, taste it. No, sooner you see, you react. First thing you do is sprinkle the salt. And thus I react to everything. Immediately. Think. No, no, this person. But this person was like that 15 days ago when you met him. He may be different today. Says Vinoba Bhavai, hey, when you come across a person, then give them the benefit. Today the person may be different. He's a new person. Don't treat him the way he, you found him yesterday. He may not be so. Just do not get so influenced by the past that you cannot remain in the present at all. So the past so much influences us that it seems to govern our behavior in the present also. That I am not there in the present. Because I have history. Everybody has history. We have history with people. We have experiences in the past. I know, Swamiji, I know. So, thus deeply entrenched conclusions are there. Is that conclusion really governs my behavior and not what the person is and not what the situation is? Understand? Mom and my mother would cook some, some vegetable like eggplant. I don't like it. But to taste it, no. Because, as I said, the entrenched conclusions would make me react. The past has such strong hold on me that I'm not in the present. Or sometimes the future has such strong hold on me that I'm always that those worries and anxieties of the future also deprive me of what is in the present. So vairagi also means being in the present, being with the reality. What is meant by my objective is being the reality, being in the present, being always alive to the situation. Be fresh, treat every situation as fresh, as something new, and do not just jump at the conclusion. Don't react immediately. Take your time to understand, to judge, and then decide your response. Thus we have to keep on watching our mind. And, and make note of these patterns of how the mind has tendencies to jump to conclusions. How it has tendency to react with no reason at all sometimes. No, no, but that's what it did to me yesterday. That was yesterday. What's the reason right now? You're reacting right now. There's no reason right now. There's the same person. Maybe the same person. Who knows whether the same situation is there or not. So, vasana samparityagaha. The vasanas. These habitual patterns. Hard wiring. Which controls us. I don't control my mind. They control my mind. Is it not so? If I want to master my, my mind then, I must release my mind from the control of all this stuff, otherwise how can I master it? But then they will decide, even when I am meditating, these patterns decide what the, what the mind will think and what the mind will do, I don't decide. What is meant by the, the ability or facility to meditate is, mind should be available to me. 
But as long as these things are there, so call it vasana, call it ragadvesha, call it habitual patterns. Abhyasena dukhaundaya, vairagya, just call vairagya. Abhya, practice of vairagya. Abhyas means practice. Practice, keep on practicing vairagya. Keep on practicing objectivity. Keep on practicing being in the present. Do not take anything for granted. And do not allow your mind to be influenced by the past. Do not also allow your mind to be influenced by the future. And remind your mind to be in the present. That's called vairagya. And repeating, doing this again and again is called abhyasa. Vairagya sabhyasa is also okay. <clears throat> Practice vairagya. Practice objectivity. I'm not suggesting that, that Swamiji, are you suggesting that we should uh, treat everybody the same? I'm not saying that. You don't have to treat everybody the same or everything the same. The Vyavhaya requires that you have to show the difference. Okay. Swami, this, the cucumber doesn't suit me. If I still eat that, don't do that. Don't eat it. Don't hate it also, poor thing, you know. You look at the cucumber I had, get, get it, you know, take it away from me. Don't worry, it has not done any harm to you. It has it not done any crime to you. All right. Moment, Swami, I gave Prasad this child, he said, don't give me, I hate banana. I don't, don't hate it, poor thing, you know. What has it done to you? Maybe in the past way, banana, something happened to you. This poor banana has not done anything to you. Don't hate it. Okay. I ask, I'm not suggesting that just because of object that you eat banana. I'm not saying that. Don't hate it. Don't react. Respect it for what it is. Just because I respect doesn't mean I must have everybody in my house. I'm not suggesting that. <coughs> Respecting doesn't mean you know, respect is my, my attitude. Then whatever I do, I do out of respect. If I put the thing away, then also I respect I do, otherwise I'll just throw it like that, you know, because I don't like it. It's very evident. I respect it. It also has its own, you know, so it has, it may not be, it's a poor thing, is inert, so doesn't think, but still, the God is equally present there. So when this man comes to meet this Mahatma, he just comes and bangs the door and comes and sits down there and Maharaj, Maharaj please tell me about God. He says, first of all, go in and close that door properly and, and seek its pardon. You heard that door. Comes and throw the shoes like that and says, put your shoes properly in alignment. Have respect. So, being alert, being objective, being in the present, being respectful to everything, for whatever it is. Understand that whatever there is in the world is created by God and therefore it has the right to be what it is and it has the right to exist. I cannot say destroy half the world if, I, if you give me a gun, I'll do that. But no, don't do that. That doesn't mean that you should let everybody lose. If you think some people should be in prison, put them, that's okay. Then, with respect. And so, a non-reacting mind, let us understand these patterns of reactions that are built into our mind. How we judge without even thinking, how we judge based on the past, and how our mind is not in the present, it is not fresh. And therefore, how the past 
how the past and the conclusion of the past, how they continue to govern me, and therefore, even when I start doing my japa, in the past they'll keep on governing me and won't, won't let me do what I want to do. And the future also is a problem, of course. What will happen, Swamiji? It is a problem, because there is uncertainty, unpredictability, no doubt about that. We cannot control, we like to control everything. I like to control, I like to be sure, Swamiji, before I can do anything. Yes, we like to. That I would be successful, everything would go my way, and yes, who would not like? But that you cannot do, unfortunately. That's why astrologers have a good time, you know, because everybody wants to be sure. But the fact is, the future is uncertain. We do not call all the shots, and therefore, we cannot control the future. I do not know what the next moment will be. I don't even know what the next thought is going to be. I don't know what's going to happen next moment. That doesn't mean I should be afraid of it. But I should take, I mean, I should understand this. And gracefully accept that also. Tell the mind, grace, be ready, be ready to gracefully accept the future also. This is what we call prasad buddhi. Whatever God gives is fine. That is objectivity with reference to future. Prasad buddhi is objectivity. With reference to present also. Whatever is, is prasad. He is given to you by Ishwara. It is his gift and therefore respect it. Prasad doesn't mean that you have to eat everything, you know. If they give you ashes, you don't have to eat it. Just put it on your forehead. Prasad doesn't mean that you do eat, you know. That's okay. Respect it. Give me, uh, give me this, what are you giving me? Ashes. I don't like it. No. Ash also has a place. What also has a place? Everything is not to be eaten. Everything can be treated the way it should be treated, but respectfully. So, Vairagi means Prasad Buddha. Graceful acceptance as a gift of God. The past, present and future. And tell the mind, stop this nonsense, otherwise the main thing is just getting, you know, what is happening is, in all this stuff, what is really to be done, never gets done. What is to be done is this. It's to recognize my true nature, to abide in the true nature, that is what is to be done. That has to be the first priority. And therefore, the priorities also must be set properly. Thus Vedanta teaches that this is the reality about you and you want to be happy. Yes, you do. You want to be free, surely. The only way to become happy and free is this, there is no other way. So nishena yoktavya yoga anirvanya chedasa Let that be this conviction. Let that have the best, the first priority. Let everything fall into place. Not that this falls into place of something else. Let everything else fall into place in this. Thus, be clear about what the objective is, be clear about what the means are, be clear about what that means in my day-to-day life. Let there be clarity. That is where also, so Adhyatma Vidyadhigamaha, Sadhu Sangha Sama, Sadhu Sangha also is important. Sadhu Sangha. <coughs> Meaning, exposure to learned people, exposure to his teaching. <coughs> Gives us clarity. Clarity is very important. Clarity about what the objective is. Clarity about what the means are. Clarity about what that means in my day-to-day life. Here, Dunavi is Abhyasa and Vairagya.
So this clarity, vairagya, means being dispassionate about the objects and achievements of the world. Recognizing that they have their place, but they cannot give me what I expect them to give me. I expect the objects of the world, I expect the achievements such as the wealth and power, etc., to give me happiness and security, that they are not able to give, because they are not meant for that purpose. So be objective about them, respect them. Respect the money, respect everything. Recognize that everything has a place, and you need them also, so respect them. But let everything have its own place. I mean, I'm walking from my cottage to the hall, I'm putting on my shoes, shoes are so helpful to me because they, 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 say, you know, they protect me from all kinds of injuries that may take place if I were walking bare feet. And so they are very, you know, helpful to me. But still their place is out there, not in the hall. And hopefully in the racks, not out scattered anywhere. <clears throat> Similarly, wealth has a place. And recognition, power, name, fame, everything has a place. Everything has a use in our life. But it should have the place that it should have, no more and no less. To say that they're all useless also is wrong. And to say that they alone are in my life, that also is not right. Therefore, the priority must be very clear that all of those are means. And the ultimate is that I should have this understanding, this knowledge. <clears throat> so that is called being objective with reference to the, the objects of the world, that I know what their real value is, and I do not superimpose any more, nor do I superimpose any less on them. Otherwise I'll hate them, that also is not right, and I'll be running after them, that also is not right. The reason why Lord Krishna prescribes vairagya or objectivity is so that they do not remain an issue. What bothers our mind are the issues. As long as money is an issue, anything is an issue. <clears throat> Meaning I have this much and I must have that, that and I, then only I can be happy, not otherwise. To think that my happiness and security depends upon this thing is, is overwhelming them. To recognize that I require money because I must send my children to school, I must do, that is, that's the objectivity, you require them. Otherwise people, they have no, and sometimes they just become beggars, you know, Swami, these things are all useless. They are not useless. That is called, so therefore, idea is that nothing should remain an issue. Settle account with everything. That's called objective, that's called vairagya. Understand things for what they are. So that there is no reaction left in the mind. There is neither attachment left for them, nor aversion left for them. So work with every attachment and aversion and keep on practicing because some of these attachment and aversions are so strong that even when you resolve it, they come back again and come back again and therefore keep on doing abhyasa. But how many times Swamiji? I don't know. Certain things keep on coming back. Some habitual patterns keep on coming back. I keep on reasoning with the mind, but that's the only way. 
I have to keep on reasoning with the mind, educate the mind again and again and again until the mind understands what my intellect understands. <clears throat> so Lord Krishna says that nothing other than Atma should remain an issue. That's all. And Vairagya, dispassion towards them also should be accompanied with passion for the self. Raga. For meditation, not only should my mind be free from thoughts of other things, but it should be also occupied with the thoughts of the object of meditation, for which there must be a liking. So cultivate a positive liking for what you want to meditate upon. Cultivate a positive liking. If it's a prayerful meditation, and you're meditating upon a devata or whatever, cultivate a liking for that. Discover a liking for that. If you want to do puja, discover a liking for that. If you want to do japa, discover a liking for that. If you want to meditate, discover liking for what you want to meditate so that your mind gains a certain amount of joy. Because it is the nature of mind always to seek joy and to run away wherever joy or gratification are available. And therefore, you to make your mind discover the gratification in meditation. It may take time, but that has to happen also. Sometimes we just do it as a, as a matter of exercise. Some person is standing in Vishnu Sasana for the last 25 years and says, every time they open the book, ah, what is 25 years? Swami, I can't remember it. That means what? You're just doing no interest at all. So some, not only interest, some rasa must be cultivated. Rasa means what? Gratification I must get. Some joy I must get. So rasa that I have right now for the objects of the world and achievement that must slowly, slowly become reduced and the rasa for the self or for whatever it is that I'm married upon should also grow. Because like honeybee which likes to go to honey, so also the mind likes to go where happiness is available. Only when the mind discovers happiness within itself, that will stay there. Otherwise it gets bored and it runs out. If your teenager son doesn't eat at home, then you worry, Mom, I'm not hungry, Mom, I'm not hungry, I'm not hungry. Every evening he comes, so I'm not hungry, I don't want to eat. He's not hungry or what is the matter? Maybe he's, he's eating out somewhere. Because every evening khichdi, same chapati, uh, uh, Indian food. So he doesn't like what's available home. And so mind doesn't like what's available inside and that is running out. And so Vairagya implies also not only dispassion for everything else but also cultivating a rasa, cultivating an interest, cultivating, passion is a word but anyway, cultivating interest, cultivating, discovering a joy of what I want to meditate upon. That's the, that's the glory of this culture where so many forms are given to us, so many devutas are given to us. Everybody will like somebody. So, such a gallery of devatas is there that everybody will like somebody, depending upon their disposition, emotional makeup. Some people just love Lord Shiva. So why do you like Lord Shiva? What is there? He's in the smashana, he's in the cremation ground. You know, to some people, Lord Shiva will create, you know, they say, no, I love that Swami. Oh, he's just, he's ever free, ever in the ever pure, ever tranquil. 
because other people like Lord Narayana because so much so much glory and so much uh, decoration and you know all this glittering they love that one some people love they love renunciation some people love all bhoga they love all the glories and you know the, the glittering and the, the prosperity that goes some people love different people love different things Everything is available, you know, that's it, like the buffet. So whatever you want, every kind of dish is available. And as much as you want. And free also. So Arjuna with Abhyasa and Vairagya. Abhyasa, practicing, bringing the mind again and again to what it likes. Detaching the mind from what it likes right now and engaging the mind in what it should like by that practice, doing, doing, you know, do it for a long time. So this includes meditation, this includes japa, japa also becomes a very important practice because when the mind gets distracted, we again bring it back to japa. Therefore, japa means abhyasa, repeating the same thought, same mantra, the same name. <coughs> That's why pranayama, etc. are also prescribed because the controlling the breath also is very useful in, in bringing the mind, also quietening the mind. <clears throat> Whatever helps you. If yogasana helps you, pranayama helps you, whatever helps you to bring, make the mind tranquil, bring the mind under control, all that practice abhyasa should be done. <clears throat> And Lord concludes this topic in the next verse, says in verse 36, Asanyatatmana yoga Dushprapa itimemati Vashyatmana tu yatata Shakyo Asanyatatmana, by the one who is not controlled the mind. Atma here means mind. Sanyata, meaning one who is controlled. Asanyata, not controlled. Asanyatatmana, by the one who is not controlled his mind. Meaning that one who is not then this abhyasa viragya. <coughs> so one who is not made an effort. In fact, a strong effort, a sustained effort. With abhyasa and vairagya, to bring the mind under control. One who has not done it. Asanyata atmana yoga hai dushprapa hai. Yoga meaning abidance in this knowledge. Gaining this knowledge and abidance in this knowledge, dushprapa hai, is extremely difficult on the part of the one who has not mastered the mind. So understand this, that while listening to Vedanta and pursuing the knowledge, side by side, this also must be done, that we must also make dedicated efforts to master our mind. Therefore, the efforts of Abhyasa and Vairagya must be pursued side by side. No, Swami, let me finish Shravanam first. Ah, let me do this. Then, 
Well, let me retire, then I'll do that. In America, nobody retires anyway, so what, when will you do this? And they were retired every day, that's all. Every day find some time, retire. And every week, and every month, and every year. Every day some time, every week some more time, every month some year more time, and every year yet more time. Retirement is required. Become a renunciate for part of a day. And make a sincere effort to understand the mind, understand ways of the mind, developing, working with those ways of the mind as taught in Bhagavad Gita, and doing this abhyasa. Vashyatmanatu <coughs> yatata. On the other hand, yatata, Bhagavan, who is making dedicated or sincere efforts. Vashyatmana, who has brought the atma, the antahkaran, the mind, under one's control. Upayataha, avaptum shakyaha. By that person, upayataha, by upaya. By abhyasa and vairagya, it is possible to master the mind and ultimately gain the state of yoga, meaning abhyadans in this knowledge. It is possible. <coughs> so in this manner, Lord Krishna first concluded the discourse on meditation and a very practical question arose with reference to meditation which was raised by Arjuna. And Lord Krishna has answered that question. Also, yet another question now arises in mind of Arjuna. And therefore, we still have some more discussion to, to, to take place, which we'll do in the next class. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashyakrutau Vande Bhagavantau Punapunaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshinamurtaye namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo namaha Hari Om